My name is Herb Montgomery, and I'm the director of Renewed Heart Ministries. We are a not-for-profit group that is passionate about rediscovering, following, and helping others rediscover the teachings and sayings of the historical Jesus of Nazareth. We believe that these teachings have an intrinsic value in informing the work of nonviolently confronting, liberating, and transforming our world into a safe, more just, more compassionate home for us all. If you would like to support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, I'll tell you how you can do so at the end of this podcast. For now, we simply want to thank you for listening. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to this week's weekly podcast. This is episode 180 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast, and our title this week is from Sayings Gospel Q, What to Do in Houses and Towns. Our feature text is Q uh, chapter 10, verse 5 through 9. Into whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace be there, let your peace come upon him. But if not, let your peace return upon you, and at that house remain, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the worker is worthy of one's reward. Do not move around from house to house, and whatever town you enter and they take you in, eat what is set before you, cure the sick there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has reached unto you. Our companion texts this week are Matthew 10, 7-13, and Luke 5, or Luke 10, 5-9, and Gospel of Thomas 14.4. We'll read Matthew first. As you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts, no bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay there at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest upon it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. Luke 10 uh, verses 5 through 9. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, then your peace will rest upon them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a house and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Gospel of Thomas 14 verse 4, and if you go into any land and wander from place to place, if they take you in, then eat what they will set before you. Heal the sick among them. Last week we discussed the interdependence in the mission instructions that Sang's Gospel Q emphasized, and this is, we're right in the middle of those uh, missional instructions this week. Uh, and We're going to be covering them again next week. We covered them last week. But this week, we're going to look at the way, uh, a way of mutually sharing or uh, exchange um, exchange of resources and, and abilities found in this saying. Uh, let's talk about survival versus liberation first this week. Uh, a great summary of this section of Sang's Gospel Q comes from the work of, of Stephen J. Patterson in his book, and I want to recommend this book to every one of you who are uh, tracking with us this year with Sang's Gospel Q. It's called The Lost Way, How to 
two forgotten gospels are rewriting the story of Christian origins. And this is from page 74 through 75. It's rather long, uh, but it's well worth reading. What does it actually mean for the empire of God to come? It begins with a knock at the door. On the stoop stand two itinerant beggars with no purse, no knapsack, no shoes, no staff. They are so ill-equipped that they must cast their fate upon the before the feet of a would-be host. This is a point often made by historical Jesus scholar John Dominic Crossan. These Q folk are sort of like ancient cynics, but their goal is not the cynic goal of self-sufficiency. These itinerates are set only for dependency. To survive, they must reach out to other human beings. They offer them peace. This is how the empire arrives. And if their peace is accepted, they eat and they drink. This is how the empire of God is consummated in table fellowship. Then another tradition is tagged on, beginning with the words, whenever you enter a town. This is perhaps the oldest part of the tradition. For this, and only this, also has a parallel in the Gospel of Thomas, chapter 14. There is also an echo of it in Paul's letter known as 1 Corinthians, and that's 10.27. Here, as in the first tradition, the itinerants are instructed, eat what is set before you. Again, the first move is to ask. The empire comes when someone receives food from another, and then something is offered in return, care for the sick. The empire of God here involves an exchange, food for care. This warrants pause. Food for care. In the ancient world, those who lived on the margins of peasant life were never far from death's door. In the struggle to survive, food was their friend and sickness their enemy. Each day, subsistence, subsistence, peasants, uh, earn, subsistence peasants earn enough to eat for a day. Each day they awaken with the question, will I earn enough to eat today? This is quickly followed by a second question, will I get sick today? If I get sick, I won't eat, and if I don't eat, I'll get sicker. With each passing day, the spiral of starvation and sickness becomes deeper and deeper, and finally deadly. Crossan has argued that this little snippet of ancient tradition is critical to understanding why the followers of Jesus and their empire of God were compelling to the marginalized peasants who were drawn to it. Eat what is set before you and care for the sick. Here is the beginning of a program of shared resources of the most basic sort, food and care. It's an exchange. If some have food, all will eat. If any get sick, someone who eats will be there to care for them. The empire of God was a way to survive, which is to say salvation. Again, that's from The Lost Way, How Two Forgotten Gospels Are Rewriting the Story of uh, Christian Origins, page 7475. In Luke's gospel, remember the goal of Jesus' ministry is the liberation of the oppressed, not just their survival, but their liberation. You find this in Luke chapter 4, 18 through 19. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this week's saying, it it describes the way that Jesus' disciples can survive as they work toward that liberation. It it reminds me of Dolores Williams' critique of, of early black liberation theology using 
the, the Hagar story, Williams explained that, that God's activity is not always liberation. And there are times when, as in the case of Hagar, God provides a way of survival in exploitative situations. She writes in, in the, her book, Sisters in the Wilderness, page 194, when our hermeneutical principle is God's word of survival and quality of life to oppressed communities or families living in dia- diaspora, we put different emphasis upon biblical texts and identify with different biblical stories than do black liberation theologians. And this week's saying, seen through the lens of, of mutual, resource, mutual resource sharing, is a plan of survival. And it can also be interpreted as a way of creating a new world while the old exploitative one is still present, building a new society, if you will, uh, within the shell of the old. And let's talk about that, that uh, building a society within the shell of the old society while the old is still standing. I read a great article. I'm going to put a link to it this week uh, in, in the e-site. But I read a great article this past week from the Center for a Stateless Society's website about uh, Alcoholic Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, and how um, their history and, and the way they've formed illustrates how people can create structures that meet their community's needs today even as they look forward to one day when the present structures are no longer present. So for those not familiar with uh, the Center for a Stateless Society, or C4SS as it's called, uh, one of the senior fellows of this group is Gary Chartier. He's professor of law and business ethics and associate dean of, of Zapara School of Business at La Sierra University. And the articles are worth ca- uh, checking out, but especially this one. And I believe that Jesus showed how to build a new world with Within the shell of an old world. And this was valuable in four ways. First, the mutualism in Jesus' sharing of resources enables his impoverished followers to survive. And together, uh, they can raise their quality of life despite Roman economic exploitation and the religious complicity of the, the temple aristocracy. Second, it empowered Jesus' followers to speak the truth about the system that they lived in. Often, people People subordinated in systems, uh, they don't have the power to uh, immediately abandon and separate themselves from their oppression. They're, they're forced into participation uh, against their will just to survive. So, so survival at times can include a type of uh, just to survive, a, a kind of dishonesty or lying about the system in order to, to kind of placate oneself that it's not that bad. It's not perfect, but, but they can work with the present system. And building a new world within the shell of the old, it doesn't require an impossible abandonment of the old world or lying about it to ease your conscience that you're participating with it. It enables one to tell the truth about the present system, and it acknowledges that uh, one's inability to, to, to fully escape that system and still dedicate one's efforts to creating a new society. And we may not be able to, to escape it yet, but as we learned last month, and I'll put a link to to last month's article 
uh, in the East Side as well, as we learned from Tolstoy and Gandhi, at least we can be honest about the situation that we're in. And third, uh, Jesus's teachings encouraged his followers to direct their energy towards preparing for their liberation. Too often, the need to survive is a reason that one can't abandon a present exploitative system again. And to use Dolores Williams' example again, uh, Hagar had liberated herself from the oppression of Abraham and Sarah, yet she and her son were dying. They had become free, but but to what end? She and her son were now alone in the wilderness and, and starving, and in order to survive, she had to return to the house of her oppressors. Building a new world within the shell of the old promises that one will in the future be able to abandon present oppression because a more just society provides for the needs of the community and liberation moves everyone then toward life rather than starvation. And fourth and lastly, building a new world within the shell of the old, it critiques the present world. It wakes others up to the injustice of a a system that they may still be complicit in. An unconscious person might ask, why build a different world if this one is so perfect, if this is so number one or or so God-blessed or or so great. And, and to work on a better world while the present one is in motion helps others see the problems in the present system, and it provides an option that, that meets the needs of humanity without domination or subjugation. And this method subverts the present world. It allows people to, to see and, and to freely choose a better option, and thus they, they accomplish liberation through establishing justice rather than through violence, and we've talked about that at length in the past. Uh, let's talk uh, lastly this week about when power resides with the outsiders. I want to draw your attention to something in this week's saying that I hadn't noticed, and I want to talk about why I hadn't noticed it. Dr. Keisha McKenzie, is, uh, I think she beautifully pointed out that what we see in Jesus's instructions uh, to the disciples in these mission instructions is a power dynamic working in reverse. And I'm going to quote to you uh, from her article. I'll put a link to her article. The, the blog entry is Family Memories, but I'll put a, a link to it in the e-site so you can read it. It's excellent. And so often when we talk of, this is her, so often when we talk about who is welcome or received, especially in churches, the congregation or pastor or elders are usually described as blessers. They have legal and sacramental authority. They often own the property. They can expel people or invite them into membership. We imagine the power to bless resides with them. That's not the dynamic at work in this verse. In this verse, it's the itinerant community that blesses. The power to bring peace moves with them, and reluctant or rejecting host can resist it. This is encouragement for people who don't have conventional power, yet may not realize that they aren't without all power. Families may be icy tundras and congregations may be just as cold, but we have the ability to offer the mainstream peace and wholeness 
and they have the ability to repel both. I want to encourage you to read the entire article because it really is spot on. And I also want to point out my whole point in bringing this up. Um, not only is it a quality article, and not only is the point excellent, but I want to point out that although Keisha in the beginning gave a shout out to me and to Renewed Heart Ministries for directing her attention to Luke 10 this week, she actually captured an insight from our saying uh, this week that, 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 that I would never have seen uh, on my own in a million years. And the reason why that is, is because I'm an insider. In most areas of the culture that we live in today, I'm on the inside. I'm white. I'm male. I'm American. I'm straight. I'm cisgender. Uh, it never occurred to me to look at these instructions from the perspective of an outsider. And I miss that. Most of Jesus' disinherited followers uh, were outsiders too. Jesus was empowering the outsiders of his day in a world where they had been religiously, socially, politically, and economically kept out. And this illustrates for me once again why we so desperately need more eyes reading the Jesus story than just white male European theologians from the Western so-called first world. We need South American voices. We need black voices. We need feminist voices. We need womanist voices. Uh, We need queer voices. And it's from the diverse perspectives and voices of those on the outlying edges of our societies that I believe we can regain the original meaning of the Jewish Jesus story, not because of these identities in themselves, but because of the way people in, in marginal social positions, the way they experience life. They experience life differently from people in dominant positions of our society. And the Jesus we meet in the Jesus story resonated with the marginalized and oppressed of the first century. It makes perfect sense that those who who share that experience today will see within the Jesus story things that others in a more dominant social position will initially miss. In Western history, ownership of the Jesus story has most often been claimed by those in positions of power and privilege. You think of the church and its its complicity with the state over the years. This has almost obliterated the original meaning of the Jesus story to a point where we can barely recover it today. So recovering the historical Jesus is difficult for dominant society groups, and it may be much easier for those who parallel in our society those with whom the original Jesus story resonated uh, so long ago. The, The story has been buried under interpretation after interpretation of those in positions of power and interpretations that that protect the status quo, keeping it in place rather than subverting it from underneath. And this is why I believe if we are to rediscover the historical Jesus, we must listen to the voices of those who have been forced by society to live on the fringes of our world. This is another example of our interdependence. We need each other. We need the value of all of our voices. And we especially need those whose experience is different from our own. Together, we can integrate all those experiences into a coherent and meaningful whole and choose to abandon our fear and our insecurity toward those who are unlike ourselves. And we can work toward a world characterized by what Jesus subversively called the empire of God, a community of people taking care of people. And as we work toward a world 
that looks like this. Let's keep in mind the original instructions from, from Jesus, which emphasized our, our interdependence on one another in concrete and practical ways. Again, this is saying Gospel Q, chapter 10, 5 through 9, into whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace be there, let your peace come upon him. But if not, let your peace return upon you. And at that house remain, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the worker is worthy of one's reward. Do not move around Around from house to house, and whatever town you enter, and they take you in, eat what is set before you, cure the sick, and say to them, The kingdom of God has reached unto you. Heart group application this week. This week I have a very simple exercise for your heart group. As a group, number one, write down five ways that you uh, feel that you depend on one another. And then number two, now share what each of these connections means to each of you. Actually define those ways. And then number three, listen three ways that this week you can individually and together lean into these five areas of dependence. None of us come into this life all on our own, and we don't thrive alone either. Thanks once again for joining us this week. Keep living in love wherever this finds you, till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns. Thanks so much for listening. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. once again for listening. Everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries, even our our many educational events that we do in various venues is for free. If you'd like to support our work, you can make a one-time gift or become one of our monthly contributors by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking on the Donate tab on the top right. Or you can mail your contribution to Renewed Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24901. And make sure you also sign up for our free resources. And remember, every little bit helps. And and as always, anything that we receive over and above our annual budget, we happily give away to other not-for-profits who are are making both systemic and personal differences and significant differences in the lives of those who are not presently benefited by the status quo. And to those of you who are already supporting the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, thank you so much. Your generous support makes it possible for us to exist and to continue being a presence for positive change in our world. So with all of our hearts, thank you. Together, we are making a difference till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns.